Welcome to episode 234 of the Cyber Law Podcast, brought to you by Steptoe and Johnson. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're lawyers talking about technology, security, privacy, and government. Uh, I'm your host, Stuart Baker, uh, and we're joined today by Gus Hurwitz, uh, who teaches at the university, teaches law at the University of Nebraska, and uh, Dr. Megan Reese, uh, who has three uh, titles. I skipped over Gus's uh, uh, multiple titles, uh, uh, but Megan is. Uh, the senior national security fellow at the R Street Institute, a senior editor of Lawfare, and not yet senior, but no longer visiting uh, a fellow at the National Security Institute. Yes. Uh, congratulations. I hope some of those jobs pay. <laughs> Only one. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that sounds right. I was, I was a uh, distinguished fellow at CSIS, and I think the distinguished meant that I wasn't supposed to get paid. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Thank you, DC. <laughs> All right. We've got an enormous number of stories, so let's jump right in. Uh, the story of the week kind of slightly coming undone by, uh, by today uh, was the claim uh, in Bloomberg that Supermicro, which is a, a Chinese motherboard supplier, um, had put a tiny uh, uh, piece of hardware on their uh, motherboards that would have enabled an attack on any computer that had this on it. Uh, uh, Megan, is this true? I don't know, and I don't think anyone knows at the moment. So Amazon and Apple and even DHS now have come out and said, this is unequivocally not true. That being said, there's some room to say they actually have reason to deny these claims. Right. And so it's it's a little bit of a he said, she said, it's a an well, article, but, but 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 less entertaining. But, but less entertaining. <laughs> and there so the the original story, of course, Bloomberg is a well respected outlet, so you give them at least some benefit that there was fact checking that went behind it. There are seventeen sources. That's what they say. Seventeen sources is a lot of sources. Although one of the sources went on uh, the Patrick Gray's podcast mm -hmm. and said uh well, if I was a source for this, I'm not completely comfortable with how they used Being what they heard from described as a source, yes. And so questions are coming up. Did this, did this discussion, was it all confirmation bias? They wanted there to be a story. So when they talked to the sources, they confirmed everything that they were asking. Um, they didn't ask Apple explicit questions enough questions for them to confirm or deny and although it looks like apple denied denies denied, denied. unequivocally yeah. now uh, but but going back to some other stories you know when the snowden stuff happened there was some denial that they were able to deny deny without denying deny yeah. without denying and yeah so, and so there could be something right everybody in this story has a reason to um Obfuscate. Yes. Uh, even even Bloomberg. Uh, yeah. Once they've published, they are stuck with this story, yep. and they're they're not interested in uh, taking it back. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it, uh, Nick Weaver, who uh, is often on here, I'm sorry he's not on today, uh, has said, uh, uh, you know, this is doable for sure, and it is the wave of the future, and we're going to see mm -hmm. these attacks, whether or not this was a hardware attack that uses 
China's massive uh, uh, supply chain advantages to uh, 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 to achieve cyber espionage capabilities. Uh, so whether this is true or not, it's going to be true. It's it's still a big deal, and you still want you want the FBI on the record because that's the the um, agency that supposedly did this investigation, and you also want more generally people to know whether or not this is possible, whether or not it will be done in the future. And in light of Mike Pence's major speech on China last week, you have to think about this in terms of what is China doing or wanting to do, and would they be able to do something like this in the future? So we'll just have to sit and wait to see what emerges as these stories get con uh, checked and uh, various people come out of the woodwork. Uh, this, uh, you know, the good news we've discovered about he said, she said uh, debates is sooner or later other people come out of the woodwork uh, uh, to uh, uh, shed light on the he said, she said debate. Okay. Um, the FAA, you know, Congress wasn't just watching the Kavanaugh hearings. They actually have been doing stuff. Uh, uh, the FAA bill has this massive uh, uh, new bill authorizing the FAA, and uh, it's gotten out through conference. I, I didn't think they had conferences anymore, but it's gotten through conference, including uh, with a provision that DHS had asked for, which allows them to go after uh, uh, drones as a threat. Uh, Gus, uh, uh, how big a deal is this? So I think that this is as little a deal as almost anything or maybe everything that we're talking about this week, um, which is to say uh, the press coverage has been pretty terrible and has made this sound much bigger, much worse than it is. So the uh, actual legislation, the actual text of the statute, which none of the articles that I've seen actually links to, you need to uh, go through and do your own research to actually find uh, the act that's been put into the uh, FAA Reauthorization Act. Um, it does allow uh, uh, DHS to take action against drones under certain circumstances and for specific purposes. So the way that the press has been covering this is DHS is going to be able to shoot down drones left and right if they determine there's a credible threat. Right. That sounds scary. Yep. But uh, the, the statute uh, says credible threat needs to be defined by the eternal, attorney general um, and secretary of transportation beforehand. It has criteria in the statute for what factors can go into the, that definition. And it only applies to drones that are uh, uh, threatening the security of what's called a covered uh, facility or asset in the statute. And again, there are definitions in the statute that limit uh, the scope of what can be protected. So this is not, as the press has been covering it, a, uh, a bill that says, hey, DHS can shoot down drones because they want to. It's uh, DHS can, uh, they actually talk about, uh, it needs to be a risk-based assessment and uh, the definition of uh, what is a credible threat. Um, so it's a much more narrowly tailored, as you usually find, as you often find, at least uh, with legislation, it's a much more narrowly tailored uh, uh, authorization than the way the press has been discussing it. So this is just the journalist uh, uh, lefty technology group um, uh, uh, complex at work. Now, there's no need to be uh, partisan here, Stuart. The right also gets <laughs> yeah, covered pretty enough. bad you're pretty right. often. Yeah, you're right. No, because there are uh, – I, when I'm um, – being careful, I call it the left lib uh, uh, access because that's what it is. And, and uh, uh, those of us on the right have uh, 
have our libertarian cross to bear as well. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it, 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 not surprisingly, uh, everybody is shouting, there should have been warrants, as though, you know, you see a, uh, um, a drone uh, hovering over a, a, an airstrip and you're supposed to call up a judge and ask for the warrant. Uh, uh, it, it was a, a bizarre uh, set of objections. All right. Uh, sticking with the judiciary, uh, ZTE has now, it looks like, a second or a, 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 a monitor uh, imposed. Uh, really, they'd already been imposed, but they were they, they was extended by a U.S. federal judge because um, ZTE was on probation uh, for having violated U.S. law. And while on uh, probation, Megan had actually... Um, violated the terms of the probation agreement and got it extended. Yes. Uh, So if you remember back, this was a big story in the spring. ZTE had shipped American supplies to Iran, which obviously is under a whole bunch of U.S. sanctions preventing them from receiving telecommunications and other technology. And Instead, when this was found out, they agreed to a bunch of things, including having these 35 people who decided to do the scheme within ZTE. So instead of being fired or disciplined, they got bonuses. So ZTE was under ban for a while in the U.S. Uh, that was lifted in July. But going back to this, these 35 people that had uh, violated the terms of this agreement, this judge in Dallas actually came out and said, you know, we're actually going to extend the initial monitoring that had been put in place to go through 2020 to, for an additional two years. So it's not a huge addition to what they've already had to do, which is an additional billion dollar fine. But it does indicate that we are going to keep monitoring them and making sure that they don't do something like this again. So they've got two American monitors in this yes. Chinese company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, 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 it cannot be a comfortable thing as they no. try to come back from basically having shut down for several months. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I find it hard to believe, but the uh, Trump administration is following in the Obama administration footsteps after a fashion going back to the UN, opening, reopening talks about what the norms for cyber conflict ought to be. Uh, Gus, uh, um, is this really just the same old uh, uh, wine in new bottles, or are they taking a different approach? They're taking a, a curious approach. Um, so they've gone back and uh, re-engaged with a group of government experts, minus two. So uh, in the uh, new round of discussions that they're trying to start, it's basically the same old, same old group of folks, except oddly, Russia and China aren't included. So I don't really know what the purpose of these discussions are, is going to be other than to get the like-minded, uh, like-ish-minded nations of the world to come together and say, here are our norms that we generally already hold, and we're just going to tell Russia and China what we already believe. Um, I'm not fully sure uh, uh, that we can or should expect anything novel or interesting to come from this, though I will add a news item on the fly to uh, uh, the uh, the rundown for today, uh, which is yesterday's report that the UK apparently has been wargaming attacks to uh, launch against Moscow to turn its lights off. So perhaps this could be a a turn towards 
less focus on U.S. active uh, operations in cyberspace and more towards let's work with our partners to internationalize these operations so that if anyone does anything that violates these norms, we can all say, hey, we decided to do this together. Yeah. So if I were selling this in the Trump administration to John Bolton, I would say this is just like the proliferation security initiative where we got together the people who are like minded. We set up some rules and we gradually expanded to others until the outliers felt um, enormous pressure to get with the program. So maybe that's the plan. Uh, uh, God bless GCHQ. you know, it, it is true that the Russians have been particularly contemptuous of um, UK national security uh, using chemical weapons on their territory. Uh, um, and so um, doing something probably is more appealing to the UK even than to the US. And um, a, it may be that you'll have to turn the lights out in Moscow to uh, for Putin to uh, start to get the feeling that maybe he's gone. He's let GRU go too far. Um, let me ask, uh, speaking of going too far, California. I, uh, yes, they've uh, gone too far. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they they have a couple of new laws. Uh, they've got this net neutrality law. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping you can uh, unpack it or at least uh, summarize it and then Give us your sense because it's now being challenged in litigation brought by the federal government as well as a bunch of carriers. Um, Is there really any prospect that a a state net neutrality law can survive that onslaught? So it it all really depends on what happens to the uh, appeal, the challenge to the FCC's uh, reclassification in the Restoring Internet Freedom uh, Order uh, uh, that went into effect uh, earlier this year. So the California legislation was adopted in response to the FCC saying, hey, everything that we said under the Obama administration we were going to do about net neutrality, we're not going to do that. It's our policy and the policy of the federal government and the policy for how the federal government is going to regulate this nationwide network. So listen in states, this applies to you to take a hands off deregulatory approach and we think that this preempts any state regulation. In the uh, Restoring Internet Freedom Order, it expressly says this preempts state regulation. Um, California is one of several states uh, that have been working to and that now have enacted some form of net neutrality uh, legislation or regulation. California's goes further than anyone else's. In fact, it goes further than the 2015 FCC order. Um, uh, prohibiting ISPs from doing things that the uh, FCC in 2015 had only said, we're going to take a look at this sort of stuff. If you do it, it may or may not be problematic. Um, So California went and said, okay, we're putting this back in place. And the big surprise here was that the Department of Justice, within hours of uh, the bill being enacted, it doesn't go into uh, force until January 1st, but once it was passed, DOJ brought suit um, challenging it uh, on preemption uh, and other grounds. Is this tied to doing business with the state of California, which struck me as at least plausibly escaping preemption? So it would apply to ISPs that are in the state operating in the state of California. Oh, so they're, this they're, is, they're toast. Yeah, this isn't like we've seen uh, uh, one state uh, pass legislation and several uh, states through executive order say, 
if you are doing business with a state, if you have government contracts, you need to comply. This is if you are doing business in the state, you need to comply. Um, what most people expect is going to happen is that um, the order, uh, the legislation will be enjoined pending the outcome of the challenges to the uh, uh, restoring Internet freedom order, because if that order uh, is overturned by the D.C. Circuit or the preemption provisions are overturned by the D.C. Circuit, that makes the case that this isn't uh, preempted. The California legislation isn't preempted. It makes it stronger. Still really, really weak, but it does make it stronger. Well, so if, if South Carolina is forced to uh, take down all of their uh, statues of John C. Calhoun, uh, who came up with the nullification doctrine, maybe Sacramento will uh, want to put them on the state uh, house grounds there because uh, that's where uh, California appears to be going. Yeah. And one of the fascinating things about this case is, in addition to pure preemption arguments, there are a number of dormant commerce clause arguments being made. So one state affecting another state, not just through preemption uh, by uh, the supremacy clause grounds, but interfering with uh, interstate commerce uh, concerns. They could be live in a way that we haven't seen in a lot of these cases before. I think that's probably right. California's got a, a new law that says if you are headquartered in our state, you have to have and you have six uh, board members. Three of them have to be women. Uh, they don't seem to be saying that that's about people who uh, uh, use California to uh, incorporate. They ap appear to be applying it to Delaware corporations that are headquartered in uh, California. I, I'm guessing Delaware will bring that lawsuit claiming there's a dormant commerce class problem with the, the statute. The GRU, how bad must it feel to be a GRU <laughs> official? Those guys, they can't do anything right, can they? They make? can't do anything right. There was so much that came out this past week about GRU. I'm going to start with the the crazy one about the 305 cars. Oh, this is just, just delicious. That's the weird. I mean, what were they thinking? They registered all their cars to the same place. Right. And so now the US, the UK, Germany, everyone knows who all of their spies are. What were they thinking? And, and yes, well, they were thinking it was the Soviet Union and nobody had access to those records. That is accurate. Yes, that is so accurate. It, uh, but yeah, so that that was hilarious. This is Bellingcat. They really yes. deserve a lot of credit. Good they, job, guys. They, they have outed both of the, the real identities of both of those mm -hmm. uh, uh, bozos Scribble. who uh, uh, did the scripple killing. One of whom was a doctor and I'm pretty sure has an obligation to not poison people. <laughs> Yeah. Or, uh, Regardless if he's Russian. Uh, I, 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 my guess is he thinks he should just poison them really well. Really uh, well. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's remarkable. Uh, I, I think I said on the last one that uh, uh, the UK may well have an active debate inside uh, MI6 whether it's appropriate to, uh, to assassinate these guys. Oh, I mean, they, they killed people on British soil. Yeah. Well, but then there was the big the big story coming out in addition to all of this stuff, which was, again, indicting DOJ, indicting a number of GRU officials for a plethora of things, everything from d doping and basically during the Olympics, they got caught doing this complex doping scheme and and then to cover it up, they wanted to break into the doping oh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, headquarters, the, head, the anti-doping headquarters. And they 
conducted a pretty big disinformation campaign to say everyone does it. It's not the Russians. The Americans are doing it. The Brazilian, everyone's doing it. So disinformation, cyber attacks. But then the other big cyber attack um, revelation is that they travel. We, we probably should have, I should have realized this, but if they weren't able to an a- access a system remotely, they physically went to hotels, for instance, to conduct cyber attacks over public Wi-Fi, which is a big, scary thing. They also attacked the uh, Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, Organization of Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, and a nuclear energy um, plant here in the U.S. um, in order to, of course, related to the chemical weapons attacks abroad um, and scribble and Gosh, they just did a whole bunch of stuff they got caught for. Yeah, I, absolutely. And it's not just the U.S., uh, the the Germans, the Brits, Brits. and, you know, uh, uh, the doughty uh, uh, Dutch who yep. have uh, done more to pwn the GRU than uh, much larger uh, nations all have been attributing attacks to, uh, to yeah. these guys. The Dutch intercepted an attack while it was happening and the Russians didn't do a good job of taking their equipment with them like this the, there was some weird weird things that happened I highly recommend reading the entire indictment yes it, it is it's 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 a great uh, uh, I won't call it a how-to maybe a how not to, how not to. <laughs> all right um California has another law. God bless them. Uh, this is a law that says if you're a bot, uh, and you're dealing with a California resident, you have to announce yourself uh, as such. You can't um, mislead people into thinking they're dealing with a person if you're trying to sell them something or influence the election. I kind of was wondering whether this was uh, a sort of um, easy version of the Turing test because you only have to fool, fool Californians. Uh, eh, eh, but uh, <laughs> uh, Gus, what do you think this law actually amounts to? Nothing. Yeah. Um, th- this is a, a weird law. Uh, as you say, it makes it illegal to uh, uh, be a bot, whatever that means. OK, I'm, I'm not being fair there. It does get into some more detail. I just spoke about the FAA Reauthorization Act and said you need to get into the actual legis- uh, language of the legislation. But it, it says uh, that bots uh, can't uh, be designed with the intent to uh, uh, mislead another person about artificial identity for the purposes of knowingly deceiving them. So this sounds like standard consumer protection sort of stuff. Deceptive behavior we can criminalize uh, under certain circumstances. And it was probably already enforceable. It was probably already a violation of uh, a standard fraud law. So this is yes. just a, a kind of a foot stamp. Uh, we really mean it. Uh, don't don't try to defraud us with bots. I think uh, that's right. It's virtue virtue signaling. It's uh, uh, pretty meaningless. We're don't mess with our elections. Um, and it's unenforceable on the national scale. Now, the interesting thing I think about it is what's going to happen to it. Is this legislation going to be one of those bills that gets passed and it's just dead letter the moment it's passed, no one ever does anything with it? Or is it going to be challenged? There could be some really interesting First Amendment challenges in here. Um, it's trying to regulate speech in some interesting sort of ways uh, that uh, could be pretty interesting and uh, go interesting places. Um, 
I expect probably Fulcher is going to ignore this law and it's never going to be enforced. So we won't have any challenges of it, though. I don't know. I, I would look forward to a lawsuit, you know, Alexa versus the state of California. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think it probably does not end up producing much, although, you know, it, it isn't just consumer protection because it also applies to electioneering. And so you can imagine uh, California going after um, – uh, Twitter for not having uh, stopped the bots from uh, uh, supporting uh, some candidate that Californians don't like. Um, uh, all right. Um, more California litigation. This is uh, an effort by the – this is sort of rumors of litigation, but the rumors are pretty uh, uh, clear that, Calif- that uh, uh, the U.S. government sued Facebook uh, under – a wiretap act trying to get them to take action to effectuate wiretaps against some MS-13 uh, uh, folks. All of this has been under seal, and it's just been leaks that we've been getting. Uh, uh, Gus, what do you think um, is the underlying claim here? So I expect this is a new iteration, effectively, of San Bernardino, mm-hmm. except instead of a, a terrorist shooter, we have uh, MS-13, a violent gang. Uh, that uh, the government is trying to use as the wedge, probably to use the All Writs Act to comply uh, to uh, uh, force assistance on the part of uh, Facebook um, in compliance with the wiretap order. Um, but it's really frustrating, this case, because we know about it, but we know nothing about it right. other than that it's happening. Uh, the details are going to matter a great deal, but it sounds like it's a big win for the tech industry uh, in the ongoing fight between uh, the federal government and uh, the tech industry for uh, uh, backdooring or otherwise being able to access encrypted communications. Yeah, I'm guessing it's not the All Writs Act. I'm guessing that this time they were using some wiretap authorities, which are much more directed at carriers and uh, intermediaries. There's there's very specific language about... uh, uh, intermediaries being required to assist in wiretaps. Uh, and then Calia has added a gloss for certain kinds of telecommunication services and substitutes for the plain old uh, uh, telephone system that actually requires them to modify their systems to enable wiretaps. So either of those two statutory requirements could also have been in play, which might be why the U.S. government would have thought that they had a shot at winning this even after San Bernardino. Yeah, the the provisions of uh, uh, 2518, uh, the uh, Wiretap Act's own um, assistance provisions, are really pretty broad. Um, I would love to see the details of this case, um, how uh, the requested activity was being characterized. Was this um, treating... Uh, Facebook or Facebook Messenger as a telecommunications carrier or, or equipment provider for the purposes of Kalia, um, or was this uh, just purely under the Wiretap Act? So much matters uh, in the details for this case, and the, the implications could be very broad, either for the industry or for future uh, legislation that Congress tries to push through. Yeah, or they, you know, I think. Uh, uh, DOJ could probably go back to the FCC and ask for a ruling on the scope of Kalia, uh, which is what they did. Uh, they've done a couple of times already. Uh, oh, I hope they don't do that because I hate reading those orders. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, from your mouth to Wajit Pai's ears. Um, okay. Uh, very quickly. Uh, uh, 
among the other things that Congress did is uh, looks like they have finally so – the Senate has passed a bill that would change the obscure agency, the National Protection and something or other uh, division of uh, uh, DHS to the Cybersecurity and uh, Infrastructure Agency, Security Agency. So they will actually have a name that people recognize uh, uh, and when they call, people will not say, you're calling for who? For what? Uh, and um, North Korea, a uh, big story about how North Korea is apparently getting rich, robbing banks. This is pretty much a story that has been around for a while. North Korea likes to attack banks to get money to fund its bad illicit activities through hackers. And but, it's but all they're, under- they're, they're like hiding, covering their tracks by wiping out the hard drives behind yes, them, right? Yes, yes. But this this goes along with a lot of the different types of hacking and cyber attacks that North Korea conducts. I, my big question is, so this is all under the Lazarus Group, which is their big right. hacking unit. What does bureaucracy look like within this group? How do they decide to put it in this, this part, the hacking group versus the espionage group? And yeah, that's the big question there, I think. No, it's it's all along the lines of bad things North Korea does. Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, but I I got the impression that they hadn't done it that much to U.S. banks, that there might be a little bit of deterrence at work. Deterrence or better. Yeah. Yeah. Deterrence by denial, maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how often we've talked about North Korea trying to hack our banks publicly. So it's hard to know whether or not they're just not good at it or that could be. if they're so not There's plenty of money all. elsewhere, right? Uh, Easier we'd, to we'd, hack into Bangladesh. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Facebook has the usual follow-on troubles from their uh, 50 to 90 million uh, uh, person uh, breach, even though no one has yet figured out anything really bad that happened. I want to uh, say I had thought that the 40 million uh, additional items might have been third-party, you know, log on with Facebook uh, uh, accounts, but Facebook is now saying they don't see any evidence that those third-party sign-ons were uh, um, uh, compromised. So that actually reduces the likelihood that anything bad is going to happen as a result of this uh, uh, breach. Uh, That will not stop uh, the Irish and uh, the Europeans and probably the California authorities from dropping a safe on Facebook's head. But uh, it does make you wonder uh, um, exactly what the purpose of of these uh, privacy acts are. Uh, And... um, uh, New Zealand has said that if you come to New Zealand uh, and you're carrying a phone and they ask you to unlock it for them and you say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to do that, they're going to charge you what looks like $5,000, probably New Zealand um, and 3000 U.S. Uh, uh, for having defied their um, uh, border inspectors. Uh, uh, Predictably, everybody's wow. outraged. Um, uh, but this is just part of the ever-tightening screw that we're going to see. Uh, um, uh, the Five Eyes had a statement a couple of uh, weeks ago saying we're going to d- have to do more about uh, encryption and um, countries that don't have big tech companies on their uh, in their territory are logical places to, to start clamping down. Okay, Gus, Megan, thank you for 
participating. This is great. We got through an enormous amount of uh, 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 news in a relatively short amount of time. Uh, uh, this has been episode 234 of the Cyber Law Podcast brought to you by Steptoe and Johnson. Uh, if you've got somebody to suggest as a guest interviewee, uh, uh, please send that name to Cyberlaw. Uh, uh, podcast at steptoe.com. And uh, if they come on the show, we will uh, send you a highly coveted Cyberlaw podcast mug. Uh, we actually had somebody show up uh, in person uh, uh, who uh, asked for the mug. Uh, uh, so they truly are highly coveted. Uh, if you want to... Um, uh, get involved with the, the – uh, I, I haven't done this, but I will start, I promise, maybe not next week, but the week after. I'll start putting some of these stories out on Twitter in at Stuart Baker uh, and on LinkedIn so I can get some comments from people before the show. Uh, and if you would, uh, go to uh, Stitcher or iTunes or Google Play or Pocket Cast uh, and leave, a, uh, leave us a nice review. Uh, that is how other folks find us. Uh, coming up uh, – the general counsel of GCHQ uh, uh, will be on. We will be sure to ask him if he's uh, got uh, Moscow's light switch in his pocket. Uh, uh, and uh, before the election, Chris Krebs, the undersecretary, um, formerly of the NPPD, but hopefully by the time he appears on the show, he will be the uh, proud undersecretary head of the CISA, the Cyber and Infrastructure uh, security agency. Uh, um, so join us for those and other uh, guests. Uh, uh, let me give you quick show credits. Lori Paul and Christy Jorge are our producers. Doug Pickett is our audio engineer. Michael Beaver is our intern and uh, makes the entire show run. And I am Stuart Baker, your host. Please join us again soon as we once again provide insights into the latest events in technology, security, privacy, and government. <laughs>